As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking about burnout, particularly mom burnout or the person in the family that has the role of the mother. In full disclosure, here we are almost a year into this pandemic and I'm at home with my family, two kids that are barely able to attend school. In fact, my daughter has been in twice for two days of four hours. My son is still completely online at home and I've got the podcast, which I love. I've got teacher training, which I love and I've got classes all, which I love. But it's a lot. It is a lot and a lot falls on my shoulders. So when I first heard Diana Spaulding talk about mom burnout on a different podcast, I immediately reached out to her. She and I actually did a panel at a baby show a couple years ago. So I knew her and was just delighted with her. We hung out for a bit. Let me tell you a little bit about Diana. She is a certified nurse midwife, a pediatric nurse, and a TED Talk speaker and a mom of three. She's also Motherly's Director of Health and Wellness, and she wrote Motherly's Guide to Becoming Mama. And she's delightful. I really enjoyed our talk. And she gives really great insight into what it's like to be burnt out. And what I didn't know until I heard Diana speak the first time is that the World Health Organization actually recognizes burnout as a condition, as something that is very real. So we talk about it. We talk about changes that we can make, where society might be letting down mothers, where families need better communications. It's a really great conversation. I think you are going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, just a few little housekeeping things. If you wouldn't mind jumping to wherever you're listening to this from and leaving a rating and review, I would be so appreciative. It helps people find the podcast. And if you're listening, I hope it's because you're enjoying it and getting some benefit from it. We also have an online free guide called Five Simple Solutions to the Most Common Pregnancy Pains. So if you head over to our website or our Instagram page, you can sign up to download that because who doesn't want to get rid of some simple pains that a lot of pregnant bodies have? 
Last thing I just want to share is that we have our teacher training online for years and years and years and years. It was two long weekends in New York City. And I know that prevented some people from being able to come there because it's expensive to go to New York. You have to fly or take a train or drive, find housing there. It's a lot. But now, at least for the rest of 2021, it's online. So check out our website if you are interested in deepening your knowledge about prenatal yoga. We go, we go deep. It's a really fantastic training. We're constantly adding more and more elements to it. I'm incredibly proud of it. And then of course, don't forget, we have all our online classes and workshops and we keep adding to that. Okay. We're going to take a super quick break and when we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Diana. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, Deb. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. And I like to always tell the listeners a little background that you and I had met, um, I don't know, is it two, three years ago? We were doing that a panel together. Right. That was fun. That was really fun. And I remember we hung out after and <laughs> that's when you were like, it just stuck in my mind because you're a midwife, your mom's a midwife. It just seems, yeah. I was very impressed by the lineage that you oh, came from. <laughs> the blood. Yeah. No, thank you. No, that was the fun. That was in New York and we were in like this huge warehouse turned yeah. <laughs> like baby, baby show. show. Um, and I was like, Oh, look, I'm meeting all these super cool people. Yeah. I <laughs> love so fun. This. I know. I love talking to birth people. Like that's oh. my jam. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. My husband's like, who are you talking to? Oh no. <laughs> like, So I'll see you in two hours. Okay. <laughs> well, I came across, I mean, we had known, you know, we'd met, but then I came across this conversation because I heard you on another podcast talking about mom burnout. And I'm like, Oh, that's a topic. That's a big topic and a topic that I very much relate to. And many others do. So I am so excited to jump into this, but I guess before we hit this topic about burnout, let's just hear a little bit about you. And also, I mean, clearly something that led you to midwifery is the fact that your mom's a midwife, but really what kind of, what drew you to keep going into it? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, have always been a midwife. I mean, always in, in hindsight, but at the time I didn't realize it. So I have memories of being a five-year-old and, you know, instead of having like tea parties or whatever with my dolls, I would line them up on my bed and one by one, I would like catch their <laughs> babies. <laughs> I, would, you know, push, push. My mom would be like, it's 10 o'clock at night. What's happening? <laughs> um, so I've always been a little midwife, but it was always my mom's thing. So I was like, wow, that's what she does. That's not what I'm going to do. 
So I explored a lot of, you know, different avenues, eventually went to nursing school um, and became a pediatric nurse. I did that for a while. Um, and then when I started to pursue my master's degree, um, started to pursue becoming a pediatric nurse, uh, a pediatric nurse practitioner, took one midwifery class and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so, yeah, so I definitely have been called to it, uh, for a long time. That is amazing. And again, yeah, having that in your, just like around, I wouldn't know if they had a five year old know what catching babies even meant. So I love that, that you did. So what sparked your passion to make a change on behalf of mothers and their overburdens? Cause that was something I heard you talk about in others. I believe, tell me, I'm, I might misquote you that you want to go to your grave fighting for mothers. Oh yeah. Thank you. I, I, uh, that, that sounds right. Um, and it's true. I didn't realize before becoming a midwife and then, you know, certainly to another really significant degree when I became a mother myself, um, how unsupported mothers are in our society, how, um, sort of taken for granted and how, you know, how little we really do to create, um, what I call this sort of nurturing of mothers. Um, and it became apparent to me first from, from a midwifery perspective, um, sort of that medical perspective when I would see people during their pregnancy, during their birth, during their postpartum visits, um, full of worry and questions and, um, not feeling like they could find the answers that they needed or could get people to really listen to their concerns. Um, then, you know, birth and everything that comes up with birth and how we talk about birth as a society and, and all of that. And then certainly in the postpartum period, I think is when it really starts to, you know, come into our consciousness, how, um, how tired we are and how, mm. how hard it is and how, um, unsupported we can feel. So I started to think like, okay, we need to do a better job as healthcare providers, as a society, as just people in supporting moms. And then I started working with Motherly and I've been with Motherly for about four and a half years now. And then, you know, the pieces really started to come together because in, in addition to the medical parts, you know, I was talking to psychologists and talking to our, you know, our news editors and, and really reading all of these pieces and looking at all of the ways, um, that we, that we don't support mothers. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty profound. Um, but I also, see a ton of potential, um, and see lots of area for improvement, which is daunting, uh, but exciting. I'm glad to hear that you see that place for improvement that you don't just look at the way that society is. And we'll get deeper into this, like what as a community we can do as a society within families, changes that can be made. But I like seeing your optimism. Um, because sometimes I, I look at so. yeah. it can be hard. It can be really hard, but I've, I've realized, um, 
you know, especially over this last year, which has been a very challenging year, um, how important hope is, mm. um, I think to people in general and certainly to me. And so I've realized like, okay, I am a person who needs to have hope. <laughs> mm. Um, and, and this work, you know, that I do, um, needs to be based on hope. You know, yes, we have to spend a big chunk of the time talking about the problem, but then there's also the like, okay, so what? Like, not so what, it's not a big deal, but like, so what are we going to do about it? Um, and that's ultimately what, you know, what keeps us going, even on the really hard days when I myself am burnt out. <laughs> yeah. Cause if we don't have some inkling that it can change some seed of belief, then exactly what are we doing it for? And then it exactly. just becomes a big spiral. So you just mentioned burned out. You become burned out. I become burned out. So can you, what well, something I did not know was that the World Health Organization actually recognizes burnout. Can you give that definition? Absolutely. So the World Health Organization, um, it is an, they call it an occupational phenomenon. So right now the World Health Organization recognize it as, recognizes it as, uh, something that happens to, uh, people in their occupation, people, you know, within their careers or their work. Um, my, Argument though, and, and I'm not the only one, you know, saying this is that for many people, uh, parenthood is a significant component of their occupation, right? Of what you do during the day, regardless of if you are, you know, were employed by a company and making money from that company. If you are a stay at home parent, if you are a parent, much of your work is devoted to taking care of your children. And so I think it counts as an occupation. Yeah, so, I completely right. agree. I'm going to support that. I was telling my son last night who his, and maybe this is because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's anxiety, but he, he wants to be by my side all the time. It's like nine mm -hmm. o'clock at night and I often read in bed and he went to read with me and I'm like, you just have to go to your room. He's like, why? But you're reading. I'm like, cause I need not to be a parent right now. I'm like, I need yes. to take that hat off because pretty yes. much from waking until sleeping, I am a parent. I might do other yeah. things interwoven into that time, but yeah. I'm a parent. It is yeah. my first and foremost job. And there's really no walking away from that. It's that's exactly it. That's exactly, exactly it. Um, so the, the world health organization, and I'm going to read this um, okay. just to make sure that I get it right. So their definition is burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think parents can definitely <laughs> relate. So that kind of hit some of the mental side effects and some of the physical side effects. So of course we always love our kids, but there could be wanting that distance from our kids. Um, yeah. so what are some of the physical effects of burnout that you see in moms and then the effects yeah. on the family? Because if the mom's burnt out, it trickles yep. down, I'm guessing. Absolutely. So, you know, there are, um, you know, exhaustion, fatigue, um, feeling touched out. Um, when you were sharing the example of your son climbing into bed with you, that's, that is often my, I, I adore my children and, 
you know, snuggling with them is one of the like joys of my life. And there are times when I'm like, please do not touch my skin. Like, please, I love you. And I just need space. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling exhausted, feeling overwhelmed, feeling sad, um, feeling, um, underappreciated, feeling like you are not doing a good job. Um, you know, and I think it's tricky because I think a lot of these feelings can be normal to an extent as we transition into parenthood. Um, especially, you know, for, for any of us, um, at any stage of parenthood, it can be normal, but when it starts to be an overwhelming sense of these sort of negative things, that's when burnout could be, uh, could be happening. And burnout is, you know, very, as you said, there's a lots of mental health implications. Um, and burnout is, uh, you know, very closely connected to things like depression and anxiety. Um, and, you know, we may get into this later, but the one thing that I just want to be sure to say is that, you know, I tell my, my clients and the people that I work with often that it is not your job to have to diagnose your own mental health concerns. That's why there are mental health therapists um, and many mental health providers. And so I always say like, if you're just feeling like something is up, maybe it's burnout, maybe it's just tiredness, maybe it's depression, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's something that, you know, you've not heard of yet. Your only job is to get yourself in front of a mental health provider, and then they can help you sort it out. One of the things that I think leads to, you know, struggles in motherhood and parenthood is that we accept it because our society has taught us that it is normal. Oh yeah. You're a new mom. It's exhausting. You'll sleep again and you'll feel better. Oh yeah. The who that preschool, that's a hard time. Oh yeah. Elementary school, that's hard. And we kind of keep like kicking the can down the road and dismissing things that, yeah, maybe they are normal, but also maybe they're not. Um, so that is one of the huge pieces of this is I think we as a society need to do a better job of continuing to reduce the stigma around mental health and encouraging people to, to seek mental health. Um, you know, I often say, you know, we go to the dentist twice a year. We go to the, you know, our primary care physician or nurse practitioner at least once a year. Like we go to the dermatologist, like we can go to a mental health provider, even if it's just for a checkup, right? That um, is even if so smart. I honestly, I don't think, and I've, you know, I talked to a lot of people and I've been doing this for like five years. I don't think I've ever heard someone compare it that way. Oh. Saying, you know, yeah, you go to the dentist, you get, you know, you do your checkups, you do whatever. And mental health check-in with, you know, with a, with a therapist of some sort, how are you? And you're so right that it is so normalized. Oh, of course you're tired, you know, new parent learning this, you know, learning it. And yeah, yeah, you have this, I never, I didn't really, I haven't framed it in that way that we need to check in and see what's normal. What is, when are we hitting a point where we've just told ourselves it's normal, but maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I really think so. And I think also remembering that, you know, you don't have to have a quote diagnosis to like go to a mental health provider because all of us get stressed. All of us get sad. All of us get worried. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
to have coping skills, you know, developed with the help of a mental health provider for when those happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think really normalizing um, mental health care um, can be really important. So I know I sort of derailed us there, but I I always want to say, because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fuzzy line between, is it quote, just burnout, which it's certainly more than a just, um, and is it something that, you know, really needs to be evaluated? No, I, th- I mean, I'm glad that you did go there. Yeah, it's a little off where we're heading, but it's so important. Let's just hit that on the head again. Normalizing mental health care is just yeah. so important. So why do you think the needs of mothers has become a bit, I hate to use the word, but maybe it's how I often feel, a little unimportant. I, kind of, yeah. I feel that yeah. way. <laughs> Oh gosh, I think that, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the patriarchy, mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, sexism and misogyny and, and all of that. Um, and this idea that, you know, first of all, the act of caretaking, um, is not probably valued as much as it should be. Um, and certainly this day and age, all parents, you know, many, many parents um, are involved in the caretaking of children. Um, but historically, you know, for the last hundreds of years, it has been um, primarily the responsibility of women. Um, and so the sort of patriarchal views in um, in combination with this idea that caretaking is not necessarily important um, have sort of diminished it as work. Um, it's kind of like what ex- it's expected. That's what, well, that's what you do. You know, you're, you're the mother. Of course, you know, of course that's what you do. You make the appointments, do. you plan the birthday yeah. parties, you plan the play dates, you exactly. do that, you make sure the bags are packed, you get the camp going. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of that stuff. Um, and it's so interesting because I, and, and I don't think that it's just, you know, I'll speak for myself. Like it's, it's not just men. I do it to myself. You know, I, I have absorbed so deeply this notion that certain things are my responsibility as the Mm -hmm. person who identifies as the mother that like my husband is an incredibly equal partner, wants to help, wants to do more, you know, all of that stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got, I got, I got it. I'm like, no, I don't actually really don't want to pack the backpacks. Like that would be great. (laughs) So I think it's, it's shifting the cultural perspective for everybody. Um, it's not just like bashing our partners necessarily. I think also, and this is a little bit off topic. It could also be, um, control issues. I've had that conversation with some mental uh, health care providers about, letting go of control and being like, you could do it, but I'll probably do it better. So I might as well just do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I identify with that a lot. Um, and have, have also spoken to mental health providers who have said like, remember, like there are more than one way to mm-hmm. do things <laughs> and you know, your husband's way, um, just in my case, my husband's way, like might be equally as valid. Um, and even if it's not, even if my way is better, <laughs> what's the big deal? It, it doesn't, you don't have to control everything. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. The backpack can be a little messy, like <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and, and that is a, it's a hard thing to learn, but it's such a burden lifted. It feels like such a small thing, but I think you're totally right when you can sort of release some of that control 
it feels great. It feels great to like not care as much about. I'm working on it. I'm not, I'm not there because when you said (laughs) it's okay for the backpack to be messy in my brain, I'm like, is it? But so. Yeah, but then the water bottle spills and then I got to be the one to do the thing. And uh, I know. <laughs> but I do think that you did hit something about the sexism. And I think some of it is subconscious. And oh, yeah. like, I just look at the way, and again, I'm not trying to bash like my in-laws or my husband because I think they're awesome, but there's certain generational sexism. So like, my mother-in-law was brought up, you know, in the, uh, I guess the fifties, I actually never really thought when she was brought up fifties and sixties. And right, there right, was right. certain, uh, respect. I remember she, tell- she was telling me that she was going to college to get her MRS. And at first I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I get oh. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I'm like, it's like a BFA. Like <laughs> yes. so- masters in renovation. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's, a, but that was like a generational thing. And so yeah. her generation was like, the mother does this. And so she brought my husband up like, Oh, just leave all your dishes at the table. I'll take care of it. And so now I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. So we're trying to teach our kids. No, that's not what we do to change some of this sexism that's baked into societal thinking. So yes. we're trying to set, I guess, societal thinking is another conversation we can have. Yeah, to. In fact, let's, let's talk about that. What are ways in which you think society has let mothers down? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, there are, you know, the sort of infrastructure problems um, that I think are a, a huge issue. Um, one of, you know, the, the most important to really talk about is, um, is racism, right? And all of the ways that racism has um, sort of infiltrated our system and our system mm. has been built on. Um, and so, you know, for so many mothers, not only are they dealing with the burnout of motherhood, but they're dealing with the impacts of systemic racism mm. um, and everything that 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 entails. So that I think is, is a huge piece. There's also the lack of, um, paid maternity leave, um, or paid parental leave really, um, at the national level. Um, and I think more than just having, you know, 12 weeks of paid time with your child, like that in and of itself is super important, but I think it's the messaging that comes with that. It's this idea that like, oh, you are creating, you know, new, life and new people or, um, you know, thanks, thanks so much for doing that. Um, but it's not actually that important. It's not important or hard enough that it warrants you getting a few weeks off to, uh, to recover or to bond or to feed or to take care of, uh, that baby or yourself. And so with all of these things, there's again, the sort of physical thing, and then there's the implication. Um, and then I think, you know, the way, all the ways that, that women, um, experience inequalities, um, you know, the pay gap, um, the hiring, you know, consequences of, you know, letting, uh, they've done studies and they found that when, um, when women indicate that they have a child on their resume, they're significantly less likely to get called for the interview. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of these, you know, there's these ideas that 
women, and this is all just, you know, career related that mothers are, um, are not efficient, are not good workers when actually the research has found exactly the opposite. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it. I think, um, you know, as a society, we are pretty attentive, though certainly could do better. Again, especially when it comes to, um, BIPOC women at, paying attention to pregnant people, you know, we fawn over pregnant people and we're, oh, you're glowing and look at your belly and blah, 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 blah. And then the baby comes out and it's like, see you later. Good luck. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so little attention paid from the medical community and from us in general, um, to people after they give birth or after they have adopted. And we sort of get over that, um, like adrenaline of, oh, yeah, there's a new baby. Um, so things like that, that again, the physical implications are significant, but the like, the why behind them, um, are as well. You know, something I thought was really interesting. I did, um, a podcast on this couple of years ago that the highest incidence of maternal mortality is within the first 42 days after the baby's born. But yep. for the majority of people that just had their babies, they're not seeing their care provider until 42 days after Correct. they've had their baby. I know I had, I had a midwife, so that might've been why things were a little different. She did check in with me every day for, I think, two weeks. Oh, that's um, awesome. it, it was a home birth midwife. She was really special. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when, I know it was really awesome. Yeah, it, and then, yeah. so we had those check-in for two weeks and sometimes it was just like leaving a message like, I'm okay, all good. Um, and then I saw her again at six weeks, but it surprises me. I just feel like we've really, I mean, the healthcare system, that can go a whole nother topic, but really, <laughs> really not supporting the new parent. Like the, the pregnant person seeing the care provider once a week up, you know, for the last yeah. month. And then all of a sudden we're like, peace out, had your baby see in six weeks. It just seems a yeah. little insane not to then put a little focus on like, how are you? How are you transitioning? How is your body? What I didn't yeah. know is that my pediatrician told me this later is when we were coming in for the, you know, the first few weeks, you're there a lot, or at least we were there a lot. And right. she would have me hang out. She'd be like, Oh, let me watch you, you know, latch. And what she was doing was screening me for oh, postpartum yeah. depression. I had no idea. She told me that later. I'm like, oh, that's so smart. And yeah. I love the idea that pediatricians may be doing that because yes. they're likely the ones seeing the new parent far more than the midwife or OBGYN. Right. Right. I love, I love that. And I love, you know, this notion of it being a team effort. You know, um, yeah. because again, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but the healthcare system is like totally, especially right now, um, is totally overburdened. It's got some problems. And, you know, it's got, <laughs> we've got like a couple things happening. Um, and so, you know, I, I like the idea of it. Um, you know, certainly obstetric providers, we need to do a better job, but also recognizing that like, why can't your dentist screen you for postpartum <laughs> depression? You know, certainly the pediatrician who you're seeing, um, sort of making sure that, that we're all kind of in this together. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Team effort. All right. We're going to take a quick yeah. break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your TED talk. It will also just mention how great your outfit was on your TED talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get that in. All right. We'll be I right back. <laughs> 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we are back. Now, I won't have a whole conversation about your alpha, but people, if you go watch it, you will notice Diana looks pretty awesome. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you. I agonized, agonized over that. They tell you, insider tip, they tell you not to wear, well, they don't tell you what not to anything, but I, somewhere I read, like, maybe don't wear black. And so I tried every color of the rainbow. And finally I was like, ah, sorry guys, this is, this is my power color. Like I'm, I'm wearing black from here. Yeah. You look pretty great. That, I mean, I hope you still wear that at times. I don't know when now during COVID, but every now and then if oh. you feel like you need to feel good about yourself, just strut around the house. You know, I hadn't considered it. I may or may not have a birthday coming up. And I think you've just helped me figure out how I'm going strut to dress around, myself that day. Yeah. <laughs> So it was a really, really good talk. And you Thank give you. some astonishing information about, let me see if I got that. I wrote some notes. Um, I was asked, I wanted to make sure I asked, can you give the astonishing quote as to how many mothers feel unsupported? Do you have that with you? I do. And it's actually even more astonishing now. So oh, no. in the TEDx talk, um, it was, uh, it was 85%. Um, and this comes side note from Motherly's state of motherhood survey, uh, that we do every year. Um, and we send, um, and we're actually, you know, getting ready to do the 2021 one. Um, and we send out, you know, a bunch of questions to moms all over the country and try to get a sense of what's going on. So those stats came from 2019. In 2020, um, it was up to 89%. So 89% of mothers in our society do not feel that our society is doing a good job supporting them. Let's talk about that. What are ways in the U.S. that people are feeling supported? I guess we're they're not feeling supported in their pregnancy and in the 
in their fourth trimester compared to other countries. That's what I find really interesting. Oh, like we, God. we put ourselves like, Oh, America's so great, but are we, are we, I don't know. That might be making uh, sound really, um, no, maybe a tree. Um, we, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work so to many do. Levels. Think, so many levels. Um, you know, I think that there are, um, again, infrastructure, um, things in place in, most other countries in the world where they have paid parental leave. Um, and in some countries like significant paid parental leave. And if the new parent is partnered, that parent can often share that parental leave with their co-parent, with their partner. And you, and yeah, you're allowed to figure it out in the way that works best for you. So, oh, we get, you know, and making this, we get 60 weeks between the the two of us. How do we want to spend, I'll take 40 and you take 20 or we'll take 30 each together. I mean, pretty, pretty significant. Um, and again, I just think that that creates this culture of you are important and the work that you are doing is important. And when you feel important and valued, it's kind of amazing how everything else just feels better, right? When you feel like your society cares about you, um, when you feel like you have a voice, um, it makes a huge difference. And I think we're missing that. I also think about just the physical side, not side effects, just after effects of giving birth. And if you don't have, if you don't have time off to heal, and I remember, I mean, I, I worked myself, so I kind of went back pretty quickly. Um, cause there's no pay. I pay myself. So I, I didn't have that right. much time. Um, but I did have enough time to at least let my bleeding stop. But I, I can imagine that if someone's in a situation where they can't afford two, 10, 12 weeks off of receiving a paycheck and yeah. their, their, their employer is not offering it to them going back two, three weeks later and they're, yeah. they're still bleeding They're If they're nursing, you know, they might not have established, you know, uh, healthy breastfeeding between the child. It just seems. Yeah. And then what kind of mental fog is someone in then showing right. up for work? It just, we're not, then we're not supporting the, the worker. It just like the whole thing trickles down to uh, a big hot mess. It does. I do. I mean, big hot mess, I think is, is accurate. Um, and I think that only, you know, fairly recently are people really starting to talk about it? Um, which is great. Cause I think, you know, I've, I've heard people say like, yeah, but you're just complaining a whole bunch. I'm like, well, yes. And we need to identify the problem, you know? And I think that that is one of the things that does give me hope is that even, you know, over the course of my adult life, I have seen this become more and more of a topic of conversation, which is really important because I think that means that we start to hold our elected officials accountable and our partners accountable and ourselves accountable and, and all of that. Um, but the first step is sort of recognizing that like, Hey, wait a second. This is a hot mess. <laughs> And we need to start having these deep conversations. And then it's also looking at, I, I did so much of my, my knowledge comes from my conversations on podcasts, but I did one with one of our community members who is Chinese. And she was saying that part of her culture was 
a 40 day, I think she's calling it a 40 day lion where she really, it was about her healing that was built into the culture. And she had a postpartum doula that was also from the Chinese culture and had different herbs and just, and just really respected and, and held that time for her. And I know that's not just that culture. There's many other cultures that do that. It makes me sad that we don't have an embracing of that fourth trimester of revering that threshold that was passed to become yeah. a parent, not just the, the mental, but the physical, the, all of it. It's, it's just like, how quickly can you bounce back? How, you know, like, oh. like the baby's an accessory, you know what I mean? Yes, it's so true. It's so true. Ugh, and bounce back. Um, gosh, that, that phrase really like really. It hurts me. Yeah, it irks me. It hurts me. But I also resonated with it because when I had my first kid, I was so, and all, I have three kids and each one of them, I was like, God, I just want like my body back. So I, I get that aspect. But this idea that like, okay, you've had a baby, boom, it's time to lose the weight, get into your skinny jeans, you know, be out and about, write the thank you notes, do the da, 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 all, all of those things as opposed to like, Oh my gosh, you just did what? Like, like what did you just do? A human being just came out of your body. Um, and again, I think that this applies to parents, um, who go through the adoption process as well. That is, that is not an easy, uh, process in any way, shape or form. It's incredibly stressful. Um, and so a lot of this information, um, especially the mental aspects apply there as well that you, like, whoa, <laughs> it's okay to, to keep the house messy and it's okay to keep the phone off the hook. Did I just date myself? Oh gosh. <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to not answer the phone. Um, you know, it's okay to stay in bed. It's okay to eat like deliciously nourishing food. And some of that food should definitely be ice cream. Um, <laughs> you know, how, how can we, change the way that we talk about our expectations of women and new parents so that slowly but surely we start to be more gentle on ourselves. That kind of brings me into the talk about self-care. And I know it's such a buzzword and it kind of annoys me, but there is something, and yet I still use it. There is something about caring for ourselves and the need for support and support from family. Can you talk a little bit more about the support that you would like to see that could heal modern motherhood, that we need to make big societal changes, changes within the family, changes in the community? How can we elevate the mother? Yes, I love this. Um, and this is an ongoing question that I am continuing to to learn about. But I think a lot of it is starts with ourselves. Um, and that's, that's like not always my favorite answer when I hear it because I'm like, I want to start with myself, (laughs) but we have to start with ourselves. Um, but you know, really figuring out all of the ways that we can be gentle with ourselves. I, um, you know, since starting to do all this work with burnout, spend a lot of time thinking about my own burnout and thinking about like, just kind of listening to sort of that inner dialogue, you know, how, and I don't, talk very nicely to myself, you know, that sort of like inner critic, right? That I think, I think a lot of us have, how can we continue to change the way that we 
talk to ourselves and think about ourselves. Because then once we're thinking about ourselves in a more loving way, and please, easier said than done, um, it can become a little bit easier to set up those boundaries and set up those mm. guardrails. Boundaries. And to say, huh, okay. boundaries, yeah. <laughs> and to say, you know, to your, you know, in-laws, actually, we want to have a couple weeks alone with the baby before, before we have a visitor come over. Um, or actually, I'd rather not have my, you know, cousin's babysitter's best friend at the birth that that doesn't feel comfortable to me. So really getting clear on what are your values and where do you draw the line um, can help. And it, it takes practice. I am learning every day. Um, so I think that that is a big piece of it. Um, and then I think, you know, what, one of the things that that is really missing, especially right now, is the village. Um, humans are social creatures. We are... Um, sort of evolutionarily designed to be together and to help each other, especially when it comes to raising children. Um, and as a society, we have sort of moved away from that for a variety of reasons. And then certainly with the pandemic, it, we feel very alone and isolated often. And I think that has a big impact. So I always say like, you know, your friend that had a baby three and a half weeks ago, she could really use a phone call right now because everyone called her in that first week and a few people called her in that second week. Not a lot of people are calling her in week three. Mm. Not a lot of people are bringing a lasagna. Not a lot of people. And again, it's a lot more than that lasagna. It's a, hey, I was thinking about you. You're really important. I want to do something to show you that I care. Um, and I think that those are really important gestures that are not to be overlooked, even though they feel small. Because everyone wants to be seen. Yes. Especially a new parent where they feel drowning. Men, I shouldn't say yes. everyone, most, most yes. feel drowning. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think, you know, one of the sort of trends on social media that I'm seeing that, that I really appreciate and have very mixed feelings about social media in general, but one of the things that I love is people feeling more comfortable being vulnerable. And certainly this is not for everyone and, and people are under no expectations to like be vulnerable if they don't want to be. But when people are willing to, you know, talk about their struggles with postpartum depression or say like, Hey, look at my stretch marks or, um, you know, today was a really hard day in motherhood. Um, or, Look at my incredibly messy house. Um, you know, all, all of those things. I think that that goes back to humans being sort of thriving on connection. Um, and even when we can't be around each other, seeing other mothers and parents struggling, um, there's, there's a real unity there. Um, as opposed to feeling like you have to fit into this sort of societal construct that was created before we were born and really doesn't fit. You said something in your talk that really hit home for me. You gave this image of of a toddler having, I don't know if it was a toddler, but it was in my mind, it was a, yes. a, a yes. child having a tantrum, um, which yes. I can understand. Uh, and that someone just acknowledging how hard that must be and just some camaraderie and be like, I, yeah, it happens instead of, 
I know when my kids ever have tantrums, usually my son, I immediately go to, I feel like eyes are on me and they're judging me and I'm the bad mom. But to have someone be like, you're doing a great job. This is really hard. Keep it up. Because I feel like part of that burnout is not judging each other and not trying to be the best mom and do it all and have the clean house and have the, all the vegetables. And it feels a little competitive. (laughs) It does. does. I, I, yeah. What are your thoughts on take, like, how do we take the competition out of motherhood? And you were starting to talk about like, let be vulnerable, but not be ashamed or hide from what our struggles are. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's going to look different for everyone. Um, one of the things that I have learned about myself as a mother, for example, is that I am like very bad at playing. I do not play right. I do not, I am not fun. Apparently I do not. (laughs) Told you by your kids. Yeah. The Legos correctly, apparently. Um, and I, I felt so much guilt about that. And I don't, I'm going to be honest. Like I don't, I love spending time with my children, but like, I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not always like super in the mood to quote play. I just kind of want to be with them. And I felt such overwhelming guilt about that for a really long time. Um, but then, you know, over the course of growing into motherhood, something I'm still doing and will do forever is realizing like, okay, yeah, I'm like not great at playing, but I am great at birthdays. And I, like, if my kid is sick, forget it. Like, I, I got that. I got you. And that's, that's okay. That's okay to be a human. And it's okay to have aspects of motherhood that you don't like and aspects of motherhood that you really love. Um, and I think the more that we can share these stories, um, the more helpful it is. And you start to realize that like, oh, my, you know, my best friend hates throwing birthday parties you know, and when her kid is sick, you know, her partner is the one that comes in and and really is like the super parent, but she's so fun. and <laughs> She's so good at playing with the kid. Um, and that that's all okay. And that there isn't one type of mother that is worthy, um, that you are allowed to be a human, be who you are and also be a person's mother. Um, and that that's, like, not only that's okay, like, that's awesome, you know, because how boring would it be if every single one of our mothers was totally the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be authentic to who we are and show yeah. up. And yeah. I always go back to thinking that just teaches our kids to be authentic to who they are. Yes. Oh. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that, you know, also goes back to the self-care piece. Um, you know, I think I and a lot of moms that I talk to feel a lot of guilt around the sort of self-care um, or taking time for ourselves or making ourselves happy, you know, all of that. But I often go back to, and I have to remind myself of this, I am setting up a good example. So when I say to my son, no, mommy can't, mommy can't come right now. Mommy's going to spend a few minutes taking care of herself or mommy's going to go spend time with her friends or mommy's going to go to bed early because she's really tired. Um, what a great example that is to show our children that it's okay to again, set those boundaries and, um, politely, but firmly say what we need. Yeah. Oh, I totally, totally agree. My latest thing with my kids is mommy's not your waitress. Um, so- oh, yes. 
<laughs> That's a big one in our house. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and having you. been a waitress uh, for many, many, many years, years, that, yep, that resonates. <laughs> that resonates. <laughs> there was one day that everyone left their plates on the table and then went upstairs and I ran upstairs and got my mm-hmm. husband and my kids and I'm like, get down there. You put your own dishes away. And I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking, but that is so not going to run in this house. It's yeah. so true. It's so true. <laughs> and we're also not doing them any favors by putting by, you know, once in a while. Okay, whatever. But, but they need to learn, you know, they need to learn that they, they have to take care of themselves and, yeah. and all of that. So I'm totally with you. <laughs> hopefully those kids are going to be out of the house someday and they have to clean their own table. <laughs> Right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new and expectant parents? And this can come from anything. You have been a midwife. I mean, you have a lot of information at your, in your mind. So pick (laughs) one thing that pops out. We'll be right back. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right. I know. I totally threw this at you. What, what, what's percolating? Okay. <laughs> well, so what's percolating was actually inspired by something that you said. Um, so I am going to tell a quick anecdote if that's okay. Yes. Um, I had just had my third. So my kids, um, my first two are three years apart and my second and my third are 15 months apart. So yeah, happens, happens to midwives too. Um, and so my preschooler was in preschool and I was at some like little gym class with the toddler and I was leaving. So I had the toddler in one hand and the baby in the car seat in the bassinet and we're walking out and the toddler slips out of my hand and makes a beeline for the parking lot, just starts running. I like, you know, all maternal instincts, like lunge for him, grab his, I think his shirt or something just before he goes out into the parking lot, fall down onto my knees, oh. scrape my knees. The kids were okay. The baby in the car seat was fine. I didn't, I didn't, and all of this, I didn't drop the car seat, which is like shocking to me, but I, my knees are scraped and bleeding, which PS as a grown up having scraped knees, it's really painful. <laughs> forgotten. So, and I just started, I mean, I'm on the sidewalk. All these people are coming out of this class. My knees are bleeding and I'm just crying. And this woman came up to me and she put her hand on my back and she said, you're not doing it wrong. It's just that hard. And then I cried more (laughs) and I don't know who this, I don't know who she was. I have totally lost contact with her. I want to find her one day because that one phrase has really carried me through parenthood. Um, there's this idea, I had this idea that 
you know, anytime that something was going wrong or was challenging or, you know, anything in parenthood that it was because I was doing it wrong. Cause mm-hmm. obviously I wasn't a good enough mother. And obviously, you know, I was letting people down. And I think sometimes it's okay to just acknowledge like, this is just hard and anything you would do right now would not really work or feel right or feel. And again, that's such a release of, um, of a burden. Um, so anyway, all of that is to, to the, the long winded answer to your question, which is to remind yourself that you're not doing it wrong. Sometimes it's just that hard. Um, and that's okay. And that is not a reflection of you as a mother or a parent. I really like that. I really like that. Oh, you've given such good tips. I think my number one takeaway is finding, having help, finding that support. But really the one that I, I can't get over, I hadn't heard before is the mental, the twice a year mental checkup. That just blows my mind away. So I wanted to put that out there as just highlighting that. That means a lot because parents, mothers tend to put themselves last. I know that I'm so great at making my doctor's appointments for my kids and haircuts for my kids and blah, blah, blah for my kids. And when do I do these things for myself? I'm so like, it could be two years before I have like a a checkup and I need to make sure that I take care of myself too. And that just really, really resonates with me. So I just want to highlight that again. That means oh, so much. So well, thank, thank you. you. I'm, I'm glad. And you know, right now when there's everything is virtual, it's even easier, you know, um, <laughs> That's true. it's even easier to like, I just got to go zoom with my therapist real quick, you know? I like um, that idea. Yeah. Where can people find your work? Yeah. So, um, I am the director of health and wellness at motherly, so they can come to motherly and find uh, lots of articles, including one entitled, you're not doing it wrong. It's just that hard. (laughs) Um, so that's mother.ly and there's lots of stuff on there. Of course. Um, I also, uh, published a book back in April and it's called the motherly guide to becoming mama. So for anybody that is thinking about trying to get pregnant or is already pregnant, um, or in the fourth trimester, um, that book is there. Um, and then certainly there, um, you know, motherly is all over, uh, social media and we'd love to see you on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest and all those great places. Oh, amazing. Thank you. And I'm so glad that we got to connect again. I really appreciate Hi, this. I am too. I am too. I'm so, so grateful that you, um, that you reached out. This has been such a great conversation. Um, and I look forward to us continuing to find lots of ways to be able to continue to connect. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.